Hello, my name is Giancarlo and welcome to the Creative Gap Podcast. This show is meant to guide creatives, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, designers, artists. We are going to be talking about all things related to craft, passion, ownership, self-employment, physical, mental health, and a bunch of other things too. So hopefully you enjoy it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Creative Gap Podcast. Today we have another very special guest, originally from Washington, D.C., now based in New York. The cinematographer has done work with brands such as Facebook, Sephora, Snipes, Apple Music, Amazon, and many more. He has films that have premiered at Black Star Film Festival, Atlanta Film Festival, and the Chicago International Film Festival. Recently, he signed with UTA Agency, which personally I'm excited to talk to him about. Um, I personally have been following him and admiring his work for the past couple of years, and I am extremely grateful to have the next bit of time to chat with him. So let's welcome to the show Mr. Bradley Credit. Hello, man. Hey, how's it going, man? How are you? Good, good. Thank you for coming on today. And thanks for having me. Of course. Um, So yeah, like I said, um, really big fan of your work, man. I've been following you for a while, and... Uh, it seems that your work is getting progressively better and better and better. And you're just like top tier. You're, you're really, uh, phenomenal. I really admire your work. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. Um, so the first thing I usually like to do is just kind of get a little background. So people that don't know who you are, just tell people a little bit about you, where you came from and kind of how you got to where you are today a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess everything starts in DC, uh, where I was born and raised. Uh, and so then, yeah, went to school in like Virginia for college. Um, I didn't study uh, film in college. I studied public relations, which I'm still trying to figure out how I use that in my life now. Um, but yeah, after I graduated, I moved here. And it was kind of like towards the end of college when I was getting back into into filmmaking and just picking up a camera because it's like, I've flirted with it a lot when I was like 11, 12 years old, just like making little films with my, my cousins when they'd come to visit or like making stuff with my friends. Um, and then kind of got away with, I got away from it, like in high school and college when I came back. Um, and then, yeah, when I moved out here, it was just sort of like knowing I wanted to do something with a camera, but trying to kind of figure out what my lane was. Um, and I just ended up starting to like PA on sets. And I think that's kind of what sort of really opened my eyes up to just like seeing the role of a cinematographer working, um, and being like, oh, that's the thing I've been trying to like to do this whole time. So ever since that sort of like revelation, it's just been sort of like full throttle ever since. Amazing. And so you went to school for public relations, right? That's what you said. Yeah. Uh, were you kind of like forced to do something like that? Or like, did you always want to, ha- did you have film in the back of your head and you just kind of had to do something logical maybe? I think I always had something creative mm. um, in the back of my head. And I think that that's kind of what got me there. Cause like um, outside of filmmaking, the other passion that I had throughout high school was writing um, specific, like, especially like journalism. Um, and so I was kind of really heavy into doing that throughout high school. I was like, writing for the school newspaper and just like moving up the ranks through that. Um, and then I remember I went to like this camp, uh, that I had like applied for cause like journalism teacher way back was like, Hey, you should try this thing. Um, I think it might be really good for you. And I was like, all right, I'm probably not going to get in, whatever I applied for it. And I managed to get in and it was like, they sent us up to Boston. We were working with all these like top tier journalists. And I had a conversation with one and they were like, yeah, you don't really make any money as a journalist, especially now I've been like on TV and all this stuff. And I was like, oh shit. Um, so then, yeah, I kind of got to PR and I think that that's just sort of like how that happened. Um, outside of that, I think there, there was a thing cause like communications is that major that has the reputation for being what people study when they don't know what they want to do when they grow up. For sure. And I think in, yeah, I think in retrospect, that's kind of what it was. <laughs> so yeah, just like, funny. I don't really know what I want to do, but I'll figure it out. Um, but I'll study this in the meantime. So. Mm. And you said you started kind of holding a camera when you were like 11, 12. Like, was your family in the arts at all? Um, what made you want to no, pick that up when you were younger? Yeah. Um, 
to be honest, I saw The Dark Knight in theaters mm, yeah. in 2008. So good. <laughs> and like, so good, yeah. And it's just like, after that, the thing that I just remember was being obsessed with like YouTube videos of the behind the scenes. Um, and I think that, that was kind of like that first introduction to just like, obviously there's people who will watch a movie and will be very moved by just like an on-screen performance or whatever. But for me, it was just all about like, how did they do this? Like, how mm. did they make that happen? Um, and so I was just like obsessed with that for a while. And then that just sort of led into me picking up the camera. I had like, I think like the flip video camera or whatever. Nice. Um, it should look like a cell phone. Um, it was like that. I was like making stop motion videos and stuff. Um, went to like this little film school or film camp with like my friends at one point. But yeah, so it was like from that age, it had just been kind of like flirting with it. Um, mm. But never really like seeing it as something I could do for a living just because like I didn't have anybody in my immediate circle who was doing that. Um, most of my family was like, you know, from DC. So most people I was around were like working for the federal government. Um, and that's kind of the path people would take. So I didn't really like see it as a possibility. Hmm. When you decided to, when you started to make this a career, were your family supportive of your decision in pursuing this kind of art? Yeah. Um, I think they were, hmm. I think there was also like a lack of understanding of what I was trying yeah, to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, similar. Yeah. It's just like, because I, I mean when I got to New York the first thing I did was I was working at a PR agency so I was like using my degree and I think I was working there for like four months before I quit um, and I was like I'm gonna try the video thing and it backfired at first um, but then I kind of had to like pick up another job and then was doing that for a bit learning to like just do things project on the side when I had free time and then COVID hit and then that sort of like hmm it was weird it was like i know for a lot of people when COVID hit it was like the end of work like nobody was doing anything um but it gave me a chance to kind of really sort of develop a visual style um and like a, just an understanding and a knowledge that i hadn't had prior um and i was able to kind of do a few projects like that year and stuff but yes yeah, i don't know it was it was it was an interesting sort of like path to, to getting here i think Definitely. And uh, similar to you starting as a PA, I also PA'd a ton getting into this because mm -hmm. this wasn't something that I started when I was a kid. Uh, I think yeah. I picked up my first camera when I was 19 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so okay. I, I started later in life as well. And being yeah. a PA opened my eyes to just this whole different world. And it was amazing. Um, yeah. And when I got to see the DP, uh, that was like, oh, that's, that's what I want to be. Um, yeah. What attracted you? To being a dp like when you were on set as a pa looking at that person what were they doing that kind of attracted you um what aspect of the job i guess really attracted yeah. you to it that's a great question um i don't know i think it was just sort of like there's so many different roles that contribute to what you see on screen and then ultimately it's like up to the DP to capture all of that um, and to just to add like those final touches. So it's like you'll have a production designer do just like an amazing job with the overall kind of like feel of the set. Um, you'll have a costume designer or a stylist who kind of has the, has the talent just dressed however like that's perfect for the scene, mm -hmm. whether that's like a narrative project and it's just like it fits with like whatever we're trying to communicate or if it is a commercial and just like kind of it's something that looks great um but then it's sort of like that's that last step to kind of just to what you actually see on screen um and i think it's that it was the proximity to the director because mm. i think when i sort of had um those like early sort of like interests in filmmaking um a lot of it was interest in writing and directing because I kind of only thought that's it was just you're a writer, you're a director, and you're an actor, and that was kind of it. Like when I was a kid, yeah. Um, but then I sort of realized, like, I don't think that a I have like the personality type to be a director. Um, I agree, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like there's way too much going on. Um, but then also just like I love seeing how creative some other people are and can mm -hmm. be, and 
being able to kind of like have that proximity to get into their head and how they see the world and then provide my own perspective. Um, I think those things that I was sort of seeing on set of just like those conversations that DPs and directors are having with each other in between takes, um, that was kind of like the most formative for me in terms of like, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. Going on top of that, can you, because there's a lot of people like that ask me questions like, oh, how do I become a cinematographer? And they're, you know, they might be younger or they haven't really done too much set experience. And usually my, my answer go to, my go-to answer is usually like, get, just get on set, be a PA, be a grip, do something. Um, can you kind of speak to kind of crewing before getting onto the role as a DP and maybe how important it is in understanding different positions? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll preface that by saying that I didn't spend a whole lot of time in other roles before getting to being a DP. Um, I think that there's like, I think that's the first thing is just like everybody's path is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially now, uh, I was having a conversation about this recently with somebody of like, the door is kind of wide open in terms of like how soon you can get to the title of a cinematographer than it used to be because it used to be like you're paying for a while then you're working in G&E working in camera and you're like working there for years just mm -hmm. grinding your way up and then after like a decade of working in these other positions then you can maybe be a camera operator maybe and then you can be a DP yeah whereas like now it's I mean you have guys who are like like you and I or anybody else who's like super young and, yeah. and just kind of can jump right into it not jump right into it but at least you know like get an earlier start than previously um and so i but i do think it's it's important regardless because for one it's having like just the respect for those other positions and kind of like when you ask them to do something um knowing what that's going to require like what that what's that what that's going to cost for them um you incorporate it into your prep process as well in terms of like thinking about the number of setups that you need to get or how long it's going to take to do this or how you're going to make your day. Mm -hmm. um, you just need to have like that understanding of kind of what, what, what will this take of my crew and like what are they going to go through? Um, and then also beyond that, obviously, like when you're actually on set, that communication and being able to like effectively communicate, this is what I want. This is why I want it. Here's how I feel like we can pull it off and then you can have those kind of conversations where they might be like oh that's I can do that but here's like an alternative way or an alternative method to get that done um and you can at least understand what's being communicated if they're presenting like new ideas um and I don't think you're going to get that if you're just kind of jumping right into it I agree um similar to you I also kind of jumped right into this in a way um I PA'd for maybe I think I crewed for like a year maybe um, and then I just yeah. decided I'm going to DP and that's kind of like all I do now. Um, yeah, but it was that year taught me so much just about all the different positions, what each person goes through. And it allowed me to just like gain a respect and like as a leader, as a DP, it helped me just put myself in their position. Like you said, when I'm asking to do things, um, which yeah. kind of brings me to my next question is like when you started as a DP compared to where you are now. How do you think you've grown as a leader on set and your communication skills? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing I've felt that I've grown with in regards to that is confidence. Um, like being confident and knowing that I know what I want. I know how I'm going to communicate it. Um, and I know that also like I'm confident that the way that I'm maybe saying like this is what I'm thinking is probably a pretty effective way to do it. Um, and then just like trusting, like trusting my instincts, trusting the things that um, I'm taking in from other departments as well. Like if a director is saying, like, Hey, I want to kind of do something like this. I want it to feel like this, then being confident to be like, okay, cool. I know how we can achieve this. Let me go talk to the crew about it. Um, Cause I think early on, especially when bigger jobs were coming at like, kind of the start of my career i was like oh shit like i've not had to yeah. i haven't had five people in gne and like a full camera team or whatever uh and have a whole pre-light day or whatever it's like that 
at that time it was a little bit of it was a little daunting and it's sort of like putting on a bit of a mask and being like all right cool like make it so you make it sort of like yeah. i can i can fake the confidence that i kind of don't really have in this moment <laughs> um knowing though that I'll, I'll whatever happens i'm going to learn from this and then that'll kind of give me confidence for the next time that a similar situation like this arises uh but yeah i think that's really been it it's just been confidence and communication and then also just trust with the mm. people that i'm working with because um i mean i travel a lot for work so i am kind of still frequently working with a lot of new people um but if i'm going to a city that i've shot in before or if i'm shooting in new york then it's like i know i have my core key people and we just have sort of like a rapport and understanding with each other so it's like i trust that i can communicate like i want something like this or i want like I want the light to feel this way or be sort of like shaped in this way. I can tell that's my gaffer and I don't have to kind of like stand next to him the entire time while yeah. um, they're lighting the scene because I can go and step away and I can chat to the director, I can chat to the producer, I can talk to my ACs about like whatever else we need to, to think about for the rest of the day, um, knowing that I'll kind of be able to get close at least to what it is I'm trying to achieve. Definitely. Um, for me, when I first started, I don't know if it was maybe just like an insecurity thing, but like when I'd work with a gaffer, I felt like I was so specific on what I wanted, like fixture wise. I'd be like, I want this yeah. fixture, this, that, and the other thing. And I think that was just coming from a place of insecurity and not trusting away. And mm -hmm. now I think I've gotten to a place where I don't really even talk about fixtures too much. Um, yeah. It's more of like I the gaffer will bring fixtures up to me and like talk to me about what he's thinking or she's thinking. Um, and then I just kind of provide a feeling and like a, a general scope of what I want. Um, yeah. do you, did you kind of start similarly where you were specific on fixtures? Yeah. Like, how did you navigate that? Absolutely. Yeah, no facts. Like I was, I, I think especially cause like I spent a lot of time when I was working as a, like in Korean positions at like in GME, I didn't really spend any time as a camera assistant. So I had a bit of a better understanding of light and lighting units and, things of that nature and yeah it was like early on i was like very specific about specific units i wanted for like the same reasons you mm -hmm. just mentioned of like insecurities or like also kind of trying to act like i you know, know what you're doing, what I'm <laughs> yeah. doing. yeah um and it's yeah time just sort of like taught me that you can trust your crew um especially if you're like you're working with people you've worked with before or you're working with somebody who is like highly recommended by somebody that you like that you trust then those conversations don't have to be as intensive. Um, I think the only times I'll find myself now being like specific on units is if I just want to try something new. Mm. Um, so it's like I was on a job in Austin, Texas in January, like end of January, and I wanted to work with one of the new like the Vortex lights because I hadn't worked with it yet. Love Vortex, um, they're so good. Yeah, kind of amazing. Um, and I think it was the, uh, the, the SpaceX one. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like specific about like wanting to use that, but really only because the gaffer mentioned that he had it. Mm. Um, cause we could have, we could have used anything else. It was like a simple sort of like two camera interview setup for like this specific thing we were, we were lighting and we could have used literally anything else, but I was like, okay, I do want to use that specifically just because I had a work with you before. want to see what it's like, but the rest of everything else is sort of like, I want this coming in through the windows, like this feel coming in through the windows um, and just sort of like the overall mood I was going for. And I did not even worry about what units we had to the point where it's like, uh, we're, we're ready to go. And I just sort of like asked, like, asked, like, oh, what do you have outside, by the way? Because mm -hmm. I wasn't yeah. really paying attention. I was just sort of like, it looks like what we wanted. That's, that's, that's great. Um, and yeah, it's like, I think over time, I've definitely got like less specific. Um, there's always going to be that understanding still of like the technical things, but I try to not let it overwhelm me just because I think that's going to just kind of compromise the work. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's like a few things I'll be specific about, but lighting units and a cable for a camera or yeah. whatever, it's like that stuff I'm not going to stress over because there's people who I trust and I'm hiring who, know that inside and out way better than i do mm. i i could imagine you're probably a bit more specific on the camera lens package potentially per mm -hmm. project and yeah. uh 
I guess the question that I'm curious about is like, sometimes I try pitching a specific lens because of the look, what it's going to give us, but it might be out of budget or something. How do you go mm -hmm. about like pitching lenses or something that you want specifically in the camera yeah. side? Um, I think I always just kind of, the first list I'm going to put together and send to a producer is a wish list yeah. pretty much. Um, with just like, okay, in case you can't get this, here are like some other ideas, like here are some substitutes or whatever that we can use. Um, but I think for the wish list is always just like, I ask, just try to figure out what the budget we're working with is first, just because like for the most part, there'll be pro like, there'll be lenses, there'll be camera assist packages, whatever that I've worked with prior. So I kind of know what the going rate on it might be. Um, and so I'll just like incorporate that into like the wishes I do put together. But then, yeah, there's always going to be like those potential substitutes in case you can't get a big enough discount. Um, but yeah. Um, I guess I want to uh, steering away from the technical side a little bit when you first started, cause I know you've done commercial, you've done some doc stuff. You've also done some narrative stuff. Where did you kind of mm -hmm. start in this world of, uh, being a DP? Yeah. Was it commercial? Was yeah. it narrative? Um, it was narrative. It was like a bunch of no budget short films. Nice. Um, yeah. Like shooting with like, I remember I had like a Sony a 6,000, I probably shot two or three short films with, um, and then like some stuff for like NYU students as well. Um, that's, I feel like that was like my faux film school of like, just emailing like NYU kids and being like, yo, like, let me show your projects or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it was definitely like short films and then like a few music videos to like kind of start out. Um, and like the, the spec commercials and stuff too. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, to like the narrative thing, something I'm really curious about because I know you've shot, I looked on your website, you have a bunch of narrative projects. How do you choose which is the right one? Because like lately, I don't know what it is. I'm beginning a lot of scripts and it's like, yes, I, I want to go based on the story and like a feeling, but I, I don't have that understanding yet maybe of like what I truly want to shoot maybe. Um, like how do you decide yeah. to say yes or no on something? Um, yeah, it's like, I think it's just when I'm reached out to by somebody and they tell me that they have a script and I just want to read it and see first if I connect with it in any way. Um, mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I think that the work that I've done narratively so far has ranged where there's been stuff that's straight up comedy and there's been dark comedy, there's been drama, romance, like just a variety of kind of different films. Uh, but it's always just like, does this interest me in mm -hmm. any way? Um, like, does this feel like something that not only would I want to make, but it's something that I would want to watch? Um, and I think that that's kind of like the first thing for me. And then beyond that, then there'll be like kind of conversations about like, okay, well, what's the budget that we're working yeah. with? Like, is this something that I feel like I can do? Like there's going to be a environment here that, that I can do good work on. Um, if it's a director who I'm like really keen to work with as well. Um, I think all those sorts of things will factor in, but the first thing is always just like, when I read the script, do I get anything out of it? Mm. Yeah. I think so that's something I'm actually like curious about like, you and like how how you kind of felt coming away from shooting a feature is i mean that's something that's like high on my list right now but yeah man. i know that was an undertaking that was a super unique experience i think because i don't know if you know like the backstory about it at all um so i was yeah. so danny who was the director he was my mentor he was the person that introduced me to what a dp was when i was a when yeah. i was a pa and um, I watched like, like all of his YouTube videos. Yeah. So you pretty much know the backstory then. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what wasn't included in the, in the behind the scenes stuff was that he initially asked me to be the BTS guy for his feature. And I said, no, I turned it down yeah. uh, because it's just not who I am anymore. It's not what I do. Um, so okay. saying no to that was like one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and then when he called me that one night, asking me to just like come on and help i knew that that was like he didn't officially ask me a dp but i knew in my head i was like oh man this is like the moment where i gotta like prove myself right now um but fast forward yeah. to you know now as it's starting to get released and all of that stuff um it was one of the most 
amazing experiences I've ever had in my entire life. It was the most challenging yeah. coming into a project three or four days after they started, not having read the script coming in, having to read it, Boy. having to read it as soon as wow. I get there pretty much. Um, not yeah. having a choice on camera lenses, even though we had like the best camera lens package you can get. It was a Venice with Cook S7s. Like you can't go wrong. Um, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's but combo. yeah, I just I, I went in knowing nothing, not doing anything, but I just knew that I had to be there to serve him in a way of a bit. I had to let my ego go completely in a way because I couldn't I didn't have much background. I didn't have much say in pre-production. I, I didn't have anything. So I had to really just guide my decision making on the crew that was there and him and uh, really just serve what he was going for um but yeah. that that time was I, I i fell in love with narrative filmmaking at that moment for sure uh, yeah i've done some I'm shorts I've, I've done some yeah. shorts but uh that was the first time where i really felt like leaving set the last day i was like breaking up with my family in a way and i know that's like cliche Maybe. but it's so true oh it makes sense like i feel that after shooting a short for like four days yeah I can only imagine after shooting a feature for how many days was it? Uh, I think I was on for about three weeks. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. You feel the way after the, after the wrap. Yeah. And it was, I think it's the most proud I am about something that I've made. Um, which is yeah. especially knowing that I didn't have any info going into it. Didn't even read the script. Um, yeah, I, I'm super proud of the film. I hope people resonate with it as much as I do. Um, yeah, that's but, awesome. It's going to open so many doors for you as well. I hope so. That's something I'm, I mean, speaking, I guess we could transition to the next point about agents because uh, that's something that is, people have been talking to me about a little bit is like th when this comes out, maybe you'll get some agents reaching out to you type of thing. I'm like, if it happens, it happens. I don't know. But um, right. what is your experience with agents? Because I know you recently got signed. Congratulations. First of all. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it's so all right to go back. Basically, like at the start of every year, and this is something I got from a friend of mine who was kind of like a mentor to me. Um, he would like write down on like on New Year's Day, like on an index card, things he wanted to achieve and sort of just like keep it with him. And so I did the same thing. Like, is this Matt Bastos? It's like. No, it's uh, Ian Anderson. Oh, okay, because I think he does yeah. something similar. Yeah, really. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I had him on the podcast. I think he talked about doing something similar to this. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got it from uh, yeah, a friend of mine, Ian Anderson. He's like another amazing DP. He's based on Melbourne. Um, and yeah, he was like, I don't even think he told me. I just think I like I saw like an Instagram story and he had, like written some stuff on an index index card of what he wanted to do and. So I kind of like stole that idea. Uh, and yeah, last year, one of the things I wrote down was just like to just speak with agents. There wasn't something where I was like trying to get signed or whatever, but like just wanting to have those early initial conversations about what does that look like? Um, how does it like help the career grow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so like there are a few people I reached out to. Um, I actually did end up signing with an agency before UTA. Um, is a smaller agency based in New York. Um, and I was there for a few months. Um, but I remember that like my agent at UTA, I had had a conversation with her, like probably almost about a year ago at this point. Um, so this was before I had signed full other blades and we had an early conversation and she was sort of like, Hey, you make great work, but it's not time yet. And I was like, fair enough. Like I figured it's not surprising. Um, and, but we kept in touch. And then basically she saw Big Three, which was uh, a short film that I did. It's like a black and white theory of film. Um, and that kind of like changed tune of it. And basically we had just have conversations again. Um, and there was a little bit more so like, I do want you to, to come over to UTA. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, it was like a 50-50 kind of thing. Like I think early on in my career, most of the conversations that I'd heard about agencies was like, you wait for them to come to you. You don't go to them. Yeah. Um, and I think that I kind of just like, 
yeah, no, like I'm going to kind of do, do this my way a little bit where it's like, if I see that I'm getting sort of watched by an agent, it's like, sure. They might come to my Instagram or whatever. And like, I noticed they start following me and that's basically happened there. Um, they'll just be like, okay, cool. I know like this person's at least keeping up with what I'm doing. It doesn't hurt for me to just reach out, say hello, maybe have a quick chat. And then you can sort of like stay in touch beyond that. And so that's kind of how that all ended up going. Mm. Yeah. I've heard both things as well. I've heard with some DPs that they're like, yeah, just wait for them when the time's right, they'll reach out to you. And then some people are like, no, you need to be proactive in it. Um, and it's interesting to hear your perspective. Like when you, I know this is probably super specific, but like when you reached out, like what did that initial hello, what was that like when you DM them for the first time? I'm just curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just like, Hey, thanks for the follow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I see you're at, you're an agent, you're an agent at this place. Um, would love to just have a chat. We've got some time. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just like short and yeah. sweet. Nice. And now like, that you're at UTA, like, what do you think the benefits are of having an agent? Cause I know some people have, uh, like some people get agents because they're so busy with like the business side, for example, like they need help on the right. business side or they maybe want them to get them more work, uh, whatever the case may be. Like, what has your experience been so far? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been really, it's been great so far. It's still very early days, like mm-hmm. going been there for about three months um but i think the the biggest thing that i like about it is just sort of having someone to advocate for me um specifically on like those topics that i don't really want to have like i think a lot of us um as creatives one of the things we kind of feel a little bit weird talking about is stuff like rates or just like accommodations or, or whatever. Cause like you, you're unsure about how far you can push something before you might lose a project altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, or if like you want to say no to something, you don't want to like ruin the relationship that you might have with like a director or producer by saying no to a project that you're not really trying to do. And so I think that's been kind of like the biggest, um, the biggest benefit so far is sort of just like having that person who can go to bat for me and be like, let's try to push the rate a little bit more and like know knowing how far they can because they have the experience of having worked with like other clients um over many years um so i think it's it's that and uh i mean it's nice to get like paid through the agency which is just like one less thing to worry about kind of like if you're maybe traveling around on a bunch of different jobs and you forget to like do an invoice or something and then your payment is like super late because of that. I think that's also been a benefit, but the number one thing is just sort of like having that person who's like an advocate for me who can be the bad guy if I don't want to do a job, but I don't want to like ruin a relationship. Um, so I think those are kind of those two things in particular, the biggest one. That's awesome. And I've also heard like with other DPs as well, that they will have conversations with their agent about like, what they want in their career. Like I want to be doing more narrative of this style. I want to be doing commercials of this, that, and the other. Um, Like what, did you have conversations like that as well? And like, they have an understanding Mm -hmm. of like what your future kind of looks like based on what you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, we we did. Um, So one of the things that I did before I signed, um, I flew out to LA and we had a meeting in person. Um, And so we were able to just kind of like sit and chat for a couple hours and like, just really sort of discuss like the work I've done so far and sort of like where I want to go. Um, and I think that outside of the fact that going, cause like remember I was at that other agency before I went over to ETA. And I think one of the things that I kind of was really excited about when um, I went over was just like, my agent was very excited about the project that I was the most proud of having done. Mm. And that's kind of, that was the project that sort of sent her being like, Hey, I do want to represent this person. And that meant a lot to me because it was just like, it's not just, I've done a bunch of work or whatever. And it's like, okay, you could probably use an agent or like you can make money off this person or whatever. It was like, this person has made this project that I really like. And then in turn is the project that I'm still to this day, like the most proud of. Um, and so it's sort of like those two coming together. That's, 
that really like stuck out to me a lot. And so I felt like early on, there was just that understanding of kind of visually the things that I am interested in, um, the things that I want to create. And it kind of just from the first conversation, there's already an understanding of sort of where like there, yeah, just an openness and an understanding to where I want my career to go. Amazing. That's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing all that with the agent. I've, I've tried talking to so many people about it just to get an understanding because I don't have any, I've had a few conversations with some agents, but um, yeah, I don't know what it's going to be like when this feature comes out, if there's anything going to happen or not, but whatever it is, yeah. um, I guess we'll see. Yeah. But I appreciate you sharing your perspective on it. Um, yeah, for sure. I think also it's like, it's for, for you especially, um, because I think the way that representation goes about now just the same as it is for the cinematography like industry as a whole it's very different than it used to be where mm -hmm. like i ended up getting repped because my agent was following me on instagram and i reached out to that where it's like it used to be agents would just go to these like film festivals and they kind of try to pick out new talent there um and for i think for commercials it's very it's very different landscape in terms of like you can maybe get representation like earlier on in your career. Um, but I think for narrative stuff, it is still a lot of like, they're going to be going to film festivals, trying yeah. to find like new talent. And so for you having a feature film, that's probably also going to be going into festivals like that's going to be a big deal. And also just like having a feature under your belt, I think it's like, it's huge. I mean, that's something that I'm kind of, that's for me at this point, that's the thing I'm pushing for the mm -hmm. most of just like, I want to get, one done just like have the experience um and just have a full-length movie that i'm proud of because that's what i got in this whole thing for in the first place definitely so are think, you yeah no continue i don't know if you were finished no, go ahead. okay no, um are you uh are you looking at or do you have any scripts that you're kind of interested in feature or are you or there's nothing really kind of on the horizon yeah. in that regard there's been like a few scripts that have been sent um that i've read um like two in particular that i'm really excited about but it's just a matter of like will they get made yeah yeah true. that's that's the whole other beast of like feature filmmaking it's just like there's so many scripts but it takes so much more legwork to get it made than mm -hmm. anything else it's such a long process and like i might read a script love it and we don't shoot it ever or we don't shoot it for like two years or whatever <laughs> so it's sort of like have to be patient even though I've read something I really, really want to do. And it's also just really want to do a feature. So, mm. um, speaking of long process or long, yeah, essentially and being patient. Um, something I'm curious about too, is kind of the slow seasons for DPs. Um, like how you navigate, you have a, you have an extreme high, you're working like crazy. And then all of a sudden you have nothing on the horizon at all. And yeah. for me, I experience this like often. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's why I do YouTube podcasts. It helps keep me busy and stuff like that. Like what is your, I guess, kind of like experience from the slow season? Like, what do you, what do you do? Bro, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, that's honestly kind of like where I'm at right now where, um, like March was pretty busy. Uh, um, but I mean, obviously it's like, this is the start of the year and it's always kind of slow mm -hmm. in general. And I think, especially like right now, there's just sort of a lot of things just sort of out of whack that, um, have not been as consistent as they were like last year. Um, and I was like, I, I remember I was like talking to my agent about this yesterday and she was saying like, there's some article that the second half of this year will probably be a little bit busier and the first half is just sort of like a lot going on. And I get it. Cause like you have stuff with banks shutting down you know yeah. layoffs and like the tech industry and all these things going on with like companies so it's like for a commercial work it makes sense for it to slow down and then on the narrative side it's like an impending writer strike so it's like not a very conducive <laughs> atmosphere to like create at the moment um and so it's like i think the thing i just try to do is come back to the things that i enjoy outside of filmmaking mm. uh, and just doing those because for one, I think it just, it's a stress reliever because obviously like when you're, when you're in it and when you're busy and you're traveling for work and you're prepping a project and you're shooting it and then you're moving on to the next thing, it's like, you're putting yourself, you're putting your body, you're putting your mind through a lot, like a lot of just stress. Um, 
And so to kind of have that downtime, just like, okay, I can go exercise and go play soccer. I can go hang out with friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can kind of have that moment of decompression. Um, and then obviously, yeah, when it's like, you're sitting there as I am now and I'm like looking at the month ahead, I'm like, well, looks a little <laughs> slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just sort of like trying to do those things to keep my mind off of it for one. Um, I'm trying to get better as well of like staying off of Instagram because there's nothing worse than when you're like, you've been sitting at home for two weeks and you're watching like your friends on set. It kind of sucks. So I try to like stay away from that. Um, but I'm working on it, but yeah, I think it's just sort of like trying to keep myself busy and with things that I'm passionate about outside of shell. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, social media for me has two sides. Like when I'm busy and I'm working, social media is an amazing place. I'm super supportive of everybody. But when I'm slow, I don't want to yeah. look at anybody working. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, I tend to honestly delete Instagram when I'm pretty slow. Um, like I just get mm. rid of it entirely because yeah. uh, I know that I'll just sit on it. Um, such a problem. But speaking of, you and I both share a mutual love for soccer. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't even know where to go with that that topic, but I just want to say I love soccer as well. Um, I grew up playing. It is. I tried joining a league in Philly this year, but um, I don't know what happened. I I think I forgot to check emails or something. I don't know. Whatever it is. No, but uh, uh, yeah, soccer is like one of the yeah. most amazing no, I've, sports I've in the world. I've seen that you're like that you're a baller. Because <laughs> you played before, like the the US. Like yeah, NASA so I played. Like I played with the New York Red Bulls Academy. Um, yeah, and then uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tyler Adams. He's the U.S. men's. Yeah, yeah. So Tyler's one of my yeah. good friends. We played together for years. Um, ah, that's so cool. Yeah, I remember. Like, just on a side note, uh, during the their last game in the World Cup, uh, Tyler's mom, who was uh, at the game, texted my mom, and she was just super emotional, saying like, "Thank you for helping like raise Tyler and everything," because we grew yeah. up together. Wow. And uh, we yeah. would play soccer together all the time, and my mom and his mom we're super close and uh yeah. yeah that was a super special moment especially for my mom especially just to be able to yeah. receive a message like that um yeah, yeah soccer so cool. i think soccer plays a huge role in like who i am today because of like the yeah. level that i played at it made me grow up so fast and mature so fast um, Wrong. i love the sport i really do yeah yeah same i was i got into it late and by the way i was i was at that that last game i guess netherlands man i saw um, that you were there i was so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was insane i was i was technically there for work actually um like we're working on a documentary or just bizarrely i was able to go out there for amazing um, but yeah so we got to go to a few games um but yeah like for me i got into the sport late like i kind of dabbled with it like kind of every kid in america does but I was playing basketball and baseball and I was like running track there almost high school. And then I got into just playing like organized for like literally my senior year of high school. Um, and then just sort of like playing for fun on like men's teams or whatever throughout college. Um, but yeah, I know my like technical ability is nowhere near your <laughs> I, I mean, I'm pretty rusty still, but I, okay. I keep a ball in my, uh, my van at all times. So like whenever I have a break on set or something, you could, sometimes catch me just like juggling on the side. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I always, I always have one with me, but, uh, yeah. speaking of like going to, and just like traveling, do you ever just sit back and think like how lucky we are to have this freaking job? Like, I really yeah. think that this is the best job in the world. It's yeah. I mean, like, I think I really try to, I try to be as grateful as I can. Um, I try to be present. It's, I think it's a a personal battle for me because it's like to be both like super ambitious of like the things that I want to achieve for myself in the future. Like I'm thinking about that stuff, but then it's also I have to remind myself to like be present and be in the moment because um, if I'm thinking of like two or three years ago in terms of the level that I'm at now, I feel like it's, it was a level that I still probably would have thought would be a few years off from where I'm at at the moment. Um, but yeah, so it's just like for one, being grateful off that alone, but then like being able to travel around, like I remember being in college trying to figure out like, yeah, what can I do for a living that will enable me to like see different cities and see the world? Um, not knowing that 
I'd land on this and they would just kind of like open those doors of like all the little check marks that I wanted yeah. to, to achieve, um, just for myself as a person. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Like just being able to see different places, meet different people. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, re- I truly believe that we have the best job in the world. I love it so much. Every time I'm on set, it's like, it's such a dream. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And just being around. Cause some people like, some people have jobs that are just like you're by yourself in the office or your house by yourself, but we get to be surrounded by just our friends a lot of the times. And we get to just yeah. create pretty things. Like I don't, what yeah. kind of job does this? It's, it's, it's insane. No, it's exactly. And I mean, I think for me, it's been interesting as well in terms of like, I feel like I have two very different friend groups where I have my friends who like I went to high school and college with who might have more like normal jobs. Mm-hmm. And then I have my friends in the film industry. Um, and I mean, obviously I love both sides. Um, I feel like for also for like different reasons too, because I love being able to still go home and see my friends who don't work in this film industry. And I just feel like grounded. Yeah. Um, I think that one thing that can kind of happen is you can sort of get like swept up in things if you're like, flying around shooting for big brands or you're working with like really creative people um you can kind of like get swept up in it in it a little bit um and so i think for one it's like nice for me to be able to still have those friends so i can kind of just like really relax and be myself with um and just be feel like grounded um but then to have like these people who are just like so inspiring creatively um on a daily basis it's yeah just being able to kind of have those like two things i think they honestly feel like they really inform the work that i do end up making Mm -hmm. yeah i agree um i also have both sides friend groups as well because um i mean some of my best friends now are all the people that i have in film and they're recent friends it's it's true like it's not how long you're friends with somebody it's like the quality of that friendship and um yeah yeah, a lot of my friends from high school, I'm still best friends with, and they don't have anything to do with film, but they're, we're all so interested in what each other are doing, and we all support each other. Because all my friends, for some reason, um, my close, we all are self-employed. We all own businesses, like we all. So that's a really that's cool, cool thing, um, is that we get to see each other grow our own respective businesses, and that's really been yeah. amazing, um, especially from a just a business side in general, like being able to bounce questions off each other, like taxes and finances and all this stuff that, you know, you don't really get taught in school. Uh, Yeah. It's really amazing. Uh, I guess quick, quick side note on that. Like for me, I'm pretty business oriented, to be honest, as an artist, I feel like I do lean pretty business side as well. Um, (laughs) Where do you stand on business and like investments and gear, for example, like that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's also one of the things that I'm kind of figuring out um, because there's never, there's not really been people around me growing up who were like their own box. Um, like, I mean, for the most part, everybody's working for like the government, so mm-hmm. they have bosses or whatever else. And so it, there's, there's not ever like a person I could just directly look to um, and just be able to sort of like see that. From an early age um so it's kind of i'm at a point now where i'm like trying to figure it out uh but yeah in terms of gear i mean i own gear i don't really tell people i own gear just because like the stuff i have is really just for like if i want to make a personal project or whatever like the only the only piece of gear i'll tell people i have is a k3 in case like we want to shoot some 16 nice. for like for the cheap mm-hmm. um and like shoot it with digital or whatever but yeah, and, and I think, like, I'm not really pressed to own gear. Um, I know, like, people kind of... There's some DPs who have a lot of their own equipment. There's some DPs who have a little bit, some who have none. Um, and again, like, I think of, like, one of my friends, my friend Ayende, who is, like, just... He's always been making work that I loved. Um, and I remember at one point, we when he was in New York, we were just talking, and he was like, yeah, I don't own any gear. And to the point where he's like, I don't even own my own monitor. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, but I was like, I, I admired it at the same time because mm. I feel like one thing that I get from it 
is I will feel that um, I'm being hired for my eye because I think that that's kind of been one thing with previously with like when I thought about owning gear and investing and stuff that I didn't want to be in a position where I felt like the only reason somebody might be hiring me is because they knew I owned equipment. Like mm -hmm. I wanted them to be like, we want him because we love his work and we feel like it would fit with this project we're working on. Um, and I mean, obviously that's not always the case. Like I think the best, the best situations are when you have your own equipment, especially for like low budget projects. And it's yes. like, yo, I have like, all stuff that I can put towards this project to make it even better and elevate it. Like add it something where I'm just, nice like on an alexa mini package or something yeah. like that or on a sunny venice package but um i feel like i'll probably get to that point eventually um i'm not rushing for it but i also am kind of getting to a stage now where i am getting more business savvy in terms of like how i think about things and how i think about the future and i see the benefits for myself in terms of like just having that extra sense of financial security um and just something to kind of lean on um but yeah, it's it's a process, I think, for me at the moment. Definitely. I admire the fact that um, your mindset is like you want to be hired for your eye. And I truly agree with that. Um, yeah. I think for me in the beginning, when I moved to Philly, there was a hole that I noticed within this market that um, all the rental houses started at like one ton trucks and above. There wasn't uh -huh. a half ton option available for like budgets yeah. from like 5,000 to 10,000. It just, there wasn't something really readily accessible for that. So when I moved to Philly, I decided to buy a half ton van and I yeah. had, a, I got some lighting grip gear. And then I ended up being the only person in Philly with a half ton truck. Um, yeah. and that helped me like be able to just get on set a lot more as well. Um, also DP, a bunch bring my own gear help me financially because essentially your rate kind of doubles when you bring all of that okay. gear on uh, but you take yeah. on the financial risk you take on the responsibility of taking care of all that gear um, loading in loading out like stuff that truly I don't want to do anymore and I think I'm leaning away from is yeah. doing the whole half ton thing I don't really do it as much anymore um, but something that I have learned that I think is important for me is just having a really solid camera package um, yeah. and then stay, and then staying clear of all lighting, all G and E entirely. Um, yeah. but that's been a learning thing for me as well as to start navigating away from what I initially started. Yeah. That's a really smart way to go about things. of sort of like being able to target where there's a gap in the market yeah. and being able to fill that and like really bringing something of quality to, to fill that gap with. Um, but yeah, I, I think especially to that point, like Early in my career, I was investing a lot in lighting equipment and buying like the, I mean, the, the aperture knockoffs basically yeah. on Amazon and stuff and just like accumulating those. And like, not only, not only was it like taking up a, bon a lot of space in the box apartments that we live in, in New York city, um, <laughs> it just kind of was getting more and more cumbersome <laughs> to yeah. bring on set. But then also like, in terms of like that idea, that, that point you're making about, um, investing in a camera package instead of lighting like new lights are coming out all the time oh my god like yeah every there's a new light dropping and cameras are a safer investment long term which is like you can probably be shooting with the same camera for five to ten years mm -hmm. um, and like make your money back on it and then some where it's like with lighting units you're always going to probably be kind of just trying to have you just have to monitor the market get the new thing because people are always going to want the next new thing of like yeah. whenever the 2400d drops or whatever so it's, it's like, coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like it's something it's just like you have to constantly stay on top of and i feel like it might be in turn where you kind of end up losing money if you're just like constantly yeah. going after the new lighting equipment or whatever where it's a camera is like for one you can shoot you can use projects like you can use on projects where there's no lighting needed whatsoever. And it's like, at least you have a camera and you can get it for like whatever rate or you can add it to your rate or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it's also just like a safer long-term investment. Yeah. And something else I've realized too, is like, as I've gotten onto like bigger projects, um, I want to just focus on being a DP. I don't want to have to worry about being a rental house. It's just yeah. another stress and another thing that is just totally unnecessary for when I have to truly focus on the creative and have conversations with the director about like everything, but then I have to go and load up the truck and all. It's just, 
it's not something I really want to do anymore. Um, and I've been leaning away yeah. from it. And a lot of the gaffers that I work with own a ton of gear. So being able to also give them an additional rate by renting out their equipment is helping their mm -hmm. business as well. So that's 100%. something that I really enjoy doing recently. Um, yeah, 100%. But I have one more question for you, if that's cool. Um, really? Kind of, it's usually my stereotypical last question, but if you are... I don't want to phrase this. I usually change it every time. Um, you're sitting at a coffee shop. There we go. Uh, you're sitting across from that younger version of you that just graduated college with that PR degree. You're about to pursue yeah. film. What, yeah. uh, what advice would you give that kind of younger version of you to where you are now? Damn. It took me a while to get there for some reason. I know, but it turned into a therapy session. Yeah, uh, man, I get deep sometimes. I like to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have to think about this one. That's okay. Take your time. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's just like, I mean, I know you're in Philly, so I know the, the whole thing is like trust the process in terms of like what the Sixers say. Um, I'm not a Philly fan whatsoever. I'm not either. But... That's neither here nor there. But I think it literally would be like that of just sort of like trust the process and back yourself. Um, and just like keep putting in the work. Um, because there were times for sure when like it was really, really tough. And I feel like anybody who's a creative or like trying to make those creative like professionally knows how tough it can get. Um, where it's like, you're doubting yourself, your friends and family might be like, oh, like maybe you should try to do something that's more concrete and that's more reliable. Um, but then it's just like, you have to literally just back yourself and it kind of can get to a point where it's like, you don't know how you're going to make it happen, but you just have to trust that you're going to. Um, and so I think those are sort of the things that I would tell that younger me of just like, no matter how hard it gets, just keep backing yourself and trusting yourself because it will be worth it. And you'll get to a point where it's like, you'll look back on those times. It'll inform like the work that you do now to inform the person that you are like at this point in your life and just like moving forward. Um, and all of it will kind of also add to like that just sense of gratitude that you move through the world with of like, I've been in this spot where it's like, damn, it's pretty, pretty fucking tough for me at the moment. I don't know if I can curse, but that's fine. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's like, it's pretty tough, but you can look back on those things and be like, okay, I went through that. I made it out. And it taught me a lot about myself as a person and who I am, um, that I can carry with me for the rest of my life. Um, in so many different ways, whether that is professionally or personally. So I think that those just sort of like thug it out are kind of the things I would tell that person. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, where can people find you? Instagram, website? Um, yeah, people can find me on Instagram at uh, BradleyCreditDP and then on the website, it's BradleyCredit.com. Amazing. Well, thank you for hopping on today, man. It was a true pleasure having you. Dude, thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I will see you next time. Peace out. Musicbed has been my favorite resource for finding music for all of my videos. And now with my podcast, it has been my favorite place to find my intro and outro music. With over 40,000 curated songs available for licensing for any podcast, the music that they have on their roster will help elevate your story and whatever you're trying to share on your podcast. Finding music is also extremely easy with their browse and search tools. Use anything from genre mood to advanced filters like BPM and key. Playlists from your favorite creatives are also an amazing tool. Some of my favorite playlists include chill, hip-hop, ambient, cinematic. These are just a few examples of some of the playlists that you can find. And if you still need help finding what you need, MusicBed's team can help you with their complimentary song searches. Hear the difference for yourself and sign up for a free account. Use the code CARLO at checkout and receive one month free when you purchase a podcast subscription. Thank you, MusicBed. So that's all we got for you today. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hopefully you found it beneficial and entertaining.
I'd like to encourage you all to share this episode with a friend and leave a review on whatever platform you're using. And as always, thanks again. See you next time.